0: Pitch for Change is a podcast about what it takes to create a successful business that also has a positive social impact. I'm Amanda Capito. Last episode, we heard Loombrick talk to Gael, an engineer in Cameroon, who said he's going to help them design a solar-powered machine to create cooking pellets. So the technical piece of the business is moving along. But remember back in episode two when we were listening to Loombrick do their elevator pitch?
1: Loombrick is a social energy
0: startup that is developing a solar pelletization machine which transforms agricultural waste into cooking fuel briquettes. We distribute these machines to farmers and... And long story short, their business model was unclear. It's something their advisors have been encouraging them to figure out, but the team is struggling.
1: So let me see what else I had to do... Um, Right, advisors. Oh, I've been putting off updating them, but yeah. Do you think it's a uh, it's a good time? Maybe no? we can. Mm.
2: Uh, like, do you I think am,
1: at this stage it's good enough that we can update them on stuff?
2: Mm.
1: Maybe we can wait like a week. A week, just uh, to see what Gail yeah. comes up with.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, just to see. In this episode, Judith, Sarah, and Galia are going to get a wake-up call from one of their advisors from the startup community in Toronto.
3: My name is Marie Ang, and I work at MARS on the SVX team as an associate, and that's based in Centre for Impact Investing. Our team is a consultant for World Vision on the business development side for the Social Innovation Challenge.
0: As Marie is reviewing Loombrick's business plan, she realizes they're debating between regarding, two options. I, I
1: actually had a question regarding the business aspect of it. Um, it's just that one
0: is that really they sell the solar-powered machines to farmers and make a recurring profit by building the machines to need a cartridge of sorts, kind of like a printer. Farmers could then use it to turn their corn waste into pellets and sell their pellets to people in the community to use as cooking fuel. Q. Marie.
3: Yeah, so like you'd be selling them like more like less as a less as an individual consumer, but more as like for the purposes of their. Business And people do invest in hardware
0: like that. The other option is that Loombrick sets up the machines on the ground and makes money from selling the pellets directly to people in Cameroon. But in both cases, locals would need a reason to change their ways of just collecting firewood themselves. Here's Marie's advice and Judith's response.
3: When people are getting a resource that's more or less like relatively free, mm-hmm. um, being able to have a compelling a dollars probably. and cents... Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. reason to use your product mm-hmm. is going to be key. And people don't like changing the way that they do mm-hmm, things mm-hmm, without good reason. Because so.
1: yeah. like, if we put ourselves in their perspective, like just thinking about even like, my relatives who are more like, poor and mm-hmm. from rural areas, like, they would just like, rather do everything themselves than yeah. spend, spend for, I guess, like, the stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I
0: don't know. Having a good product is one thing, but if no one is going to buy it, that's a problem. So the team was talking about additional incentives the pellets could offer. So some of them could have like some anti mosquito repelling feature. So mm-hmm. when they burn, they kind of give out the smell that
1: kind of it repels mosquitoes away.
3: Yeah. yeah, I think you can possibly map out a couple different revenue models and business models for this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just having really quick questions, clear questions about who like really, like who is the user in this who is Mm -hmm. the person that you're going to be selling to and if it's a B2B model who are who are the people that they are in turn going to be selling to it always comes comes down to that and Mm -hmm. your trip is going to greatly inform this your conversations with partners um, and try to schedule as many conversations as you can with others just to get uh, a bit more of a holistic view Mm -hmm. on what others might see the use for it um, what their willingness to to partner on how they see um, their clients and stakeholders mm-hmm. using
1: it. It's funny because we found he he's an entrepreneur in um, Cameroon, and he he was really uh, excited about joining the team. We just don't know how much we should be trusting him, just because I found him online as well, and I didn't even see him in person. Like when we skyped, he seemed very like he had the innovative and young entrepreneur kind of sense, but it's just like we we don't know about the product. We'll see mm-hmm. what he comes up with.
3: In terms of like, um, like working with him and everything, yeah, it is tricky um, mm. with someone that you haven't met before and did he come through a connection of the other person? No, or?
1: I, I found him on the internet as somebody listed in the startups in Cameroon. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I reached out to him <laughs> and it went from there. Originally, yeah. I wanted to just talk to him regarding his experiences in yeah. Cameroon, his, like, as somebody in the energy startup field, yeah. Uh, if he could help. But then he just, that's what I'm saying. I just, I think we're kind of far away from the cultural and business etiquette over there because he just was very enthusiastic, yeah. almost to the point that we're suspicious, kind of. Yeah. So I don't know at this point whether, like, what, I think... Yeah. This is where I guess, like,
3: I mean, it's a good practice, I think, for you three as it starts with to make sure that you have some kind of founder's agreement like there's there are templates on the internet but just mm. um, and, and not to like I'm not trying to scare you or anything yeah. but um, there, there's good reasons I think for just like have, essentially like having a, a prenup to ha- like help yeah. you negotiate differences when okay. when if and when they come up mm. and then how do those considerations also change with the introduction of this potential fourth person because mm. if he's the person that's developing like the technology for the right for the machine and yeah. has like a leading role in that, yeah. then how yeah. does that what are his expectations going to be? Right. What are your expectations? Okay. So yeah. however you decide that and yeah. also the risk is that yeah you haven't met him. So. Yeah exactly. Yeah.
0: On top of getting to know your market, another obstacle is getting investors to believe you know your market. Let's bring back Kevin, the other advisor from Mars.
2: It's
3: very competitive in Canada, especially. And the developing world is still riskier because it's so unknown. So that's there's challenges, and that's why I love that World Vision sort of putting focus on this and bringing some attention, bringing some capital, and let's, let's show that we can make it work.
0: And why do you think it's competitive in Canada specifically?
3: I, so we, I, we always toss out the risk-adverse nature of Canadian investors. I think that's part of it. Our culture is just, we're consistent. If you look at our regulatory environment to the the temperament of the angels that are here. Lots of excitement, lots of success, lots of endorsements, but very few checks being signed. So I, I can't put my finger on what it is exactly, and we're trying to find a way to shake that up. So hopefully it'll change, but I don't have a good answer.
0: Now, the one thing social entrepreneurs have in their favor is that it's trendy right now for companies to offer grants to support a greater social good. Of course, there are contests like the World Vision Social Innovation Challenge, but it goes far beyond the nonprofit sector. It's an element that loombrick is also trying to take advantage of
1: so we're applying right now for something called awards for enterprise um, from rolex of all things uh which is surprising um but and i don't know if i should be saying this on record please if you're going to put the next part say put this part first i'm so i'm very very much grateful for these grants um and i'm very they make all the difference and these huge grants They just inspire a lot of people to continue with their project, and it's what's pushing people along. Um, But at the same time, sometimes you get the feeling that they're almost, you just feel like they're disconnected, maybe from the situation a bit, um, just what are they really looking for? Is it just a way to continue their corporate social responsibility and invest this money and throw out this, uh, you know, this, uh, do this innovation challenge, which does do a lot of good. And it does uh, really motivate people, young people. Um, but at the same time, it's almost like
0: Rolex and my project. It might seem like there's not a big connection. World Vision Canada's director of New Value says this is happening quite often.
2: What corporations do all the time is they have social corporate responsibility, right? I mean, this is, not, this is just across the board is companies all the time spend money on things that are going to improve their public image. And so if that's, hey, we supported these charities with a donation or we funded these social enterprises or we, you know, I, I think it is about appealing to, you know, is, is carefully crafting your, your brand recognition and your image. And so the more that you are engaged in, in, in your communities in a positive light, the better it reflects on your brand.
0: David O'Leary adds that there are a lot of buzzwords in this area that people love to throw around.
2: Impact investing, social impact, impact social impact bonds, development impact bonds, social enterprise, um, B Corps, um, social entrepreneurs. Uh, so all of these terms um, are sort of referencing in one shape or form domains that have traditionally been the for-profit space and like how do we now use these tools or these structures, these mechanisms that have funded and allowed the for-profit space to work, how do we apply them in a a non-profit or a charitable context and or some sort of double bottom line. So there's another buzzword for you, right, double or triple bottom line businesses. that's at the highest level. It's like how do we use what the for-profit world has been using to be so successful for raising funds and you know, funding their activities, and how do we do that in the charitable space?
0: For the record, Loombrick is trying to create a social enterprise with a triple bottom line. That's a business that tracks their social, environmental, and financial success. But David thinks that some companies may start using the term social enterprise to willy-nilly.
2: What we risk to some degree is that, like, people just start using the, those terms, structuring that way, because they think it's the right business decision, and they're claiming to have some sort of care about making some sort of impact, but then they're not actually measuring it. So one of the challenges is, I mean, I think anybody can claim to be a social enterprise, right? So. How do you then say, okay, which firms are really doing a good job of actually impacting some sort of cause, being aware of it, measuring it, rewarding it, and like sticking to it?
0: Now you can tell Loombrick isn't just throwing around the term social enterprise. Their social and environmental model was solid from the start. It was their financial strategy that was lacking. I'm about to walk into the Toronto Reference Library, where Judith and Sarah are sitting at a work table on the main floor. As soon as Judith sees me, she raises both arms in the air, clutching her fists like Rocky Balboa at the top of those steps.
1: Literally two seconds before you came, we just uh, figured it out. So what I just went through is all of the modules that uh, Mars and World Vision made up, and uh, seeing it from the perspective of it being a business and... um, actually having to make money like that's something that I don't know it it really transformed the way that we thought about the business so um, let's say Sarah is the farmer and I'm here on behalf of Loombrick what we're gonna do is reach out to Sarah and um, provide her a one of our solar machines in return for a small deposit and say You know, this is um, a rent-to-own business, so what we're going to do is...
0: So then the um, farmer will use their corn waste to make pellets and give them back to Loombrick until the machine is paid off. Loombrick will then sell those pellets in bulk to places in Cameroon, like schools and hospitals, that have to provide lots of meals but don't have the time to go out to collect firewood. Loombrick will then continue to buy pellets from the farmer, even after the machine is paid off, and distribute them throughout the country. It's going to be less
1: labor-intensive and more institutional, which is pretty reassuring uh, in a certain way.
0: With their business model and Sarah's trip to Cameroon approaching, the team was buzzing.
1: You know, all of a sudden, things seem very, very doable. And so just having that... uh, that like vision become a reality is just so motivating, and so definitely the energy is up today. <laughs> it's crazy because it's so soon. Like, it's uh-huh. in three, two weeks? Yeah. I don't even know. Okay, in three weeks. Three and a half weeks, maybe. something Are you like serious? that. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'll be there, like, showing up at the first schools, or we were thinking of hospitals as well. That could be interesting. But they know they still have work to do. It happens all the time when you have a new idea, there's just this buzz and you're like, oh my god, this is Um, great. Best idea. Best idea ever. And then, you know, other people are going to say, you know, there's this problem, there's that problem you have not thought of. And then so then we have to go and iterate on it.
0: And we'll take a closer look at the art of iteration in the next episode. A Pitch for Change is a production of World Vision Canada. I'm Amanda Capito, a communications advisor with World Vision International. I'm the producer and editor of this podcast alongside Amanda D'Souza. Sound mixing is by Drew Garner. Josh Folkema and Robert Garcia are advisors to the show. For more information about World Vision's work with social enterprises, visit worldvision.ca slash podcast.